Welcome back, everybody, to the Disciples Haven. In today's episode, we're going to discuss a hot topic the rapture. Is it fact, biblical, or is it a man made fiction? How does this rapture doctrine get introduced, and why is it common taught doctrine by churches across the world today? We'll answer all of these questions and more in today's episode. So before we begin, like always, we ask our Father to bless us with wisdom and knowledge and ask to open eyes and open ears as we dive into His Word and discover the truth about the rapture. In Jesus Christ's name, Amen. Let's begin. Season 2 of The Disciples Haven, finally here. And what better way to begin than talking about one of the most common and controversial topics in Christianity today, the rapture. Now, what is the rapture? Well, in order to understand the rapture, we must first understand where it came from and how Christian churches today continue to use it and enforce it amongst their congregation. Um, credit for the pre-tribulation rapture originally uh, generated from a young girl uh, named Margaret MacDonald, um, born around the 1830s or so, or 1820s. But around the 1830s, Margaret, uh, very ill, uh, claimed to have a vision from God showing her that the saints would be removed from the earth before the tribulation. Around that same time, a man by the name of John Nelson Darby visited Margaret MacDonald to listen about her visions. And many historians believe Mr. Darby already um, had some teachings on pre-tribulation rapture. So there's a bit of confusion as to who should be credited with coming up with the rapture. But right now, many churches either teach the pre-tribulation rapture, the post-tribulation rapture, or the tribulation rapture. Basically, the saints being removed during the tribulation while the Antichrist is here. Now, John Darby was an Anglican who left the Church of England to become one of the Plymouth Brethren in the 1830s. He founded the movement known today as Dispensationalism. Another man who helped popularize this rapture idea was a man by the name of Cyrus Schofield, who published the Schofield Bible in 1909. Now, this dangerous Bible, if one could even call it a Bible, became popular um, with burgeoning fundamentalists' movement in the United States. Dispensationalism still remains popular and has great influence on conservative evangelical groups in the United States. For those new to this doctrine, you're probably asking, what is the rapture? Well, the rapture is the belief of millions, unfortunately, that before the Antichrist comes to this earth, that is to say Satan, that God will rapture, or in other words, take away his servants who have been faithful to God before the arrival of Satan. And those who remain on the earth will endure torment during the tribulation while the Antichrist is here. Now, is that biblical? Let me tell you a, a quick personal story. After converting from Catholicism to Christianity, even though both are Christian, but you know what I mean, the church I attended preached on this theory, the rapture theory. I believe I was around 14 or so, and when that was taught to me, I remember, I, I remember clearly thinking, 
and asking myself, if people start disappearing or flying into the air because God is snatching them up to heaven, won't that give people left behind an idea that, hey, I guess the devil is coming soon and I didn't get picked. And when he does get here, why would people be deceived since millions know that the devil comes after the so-called rapture? I mean, in the Bible, it's clearly written that the whole world worships the beast. They worship the Antichrist as God. So why would they do that if their loved ones have left? I mean, none of that made sense to me. It wasn't adding up. So the question remains, is this biblical? What does God have to say about it? Well, let's open up to our Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 20, and it reads, And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So what did we just read? We just read that Jesus Christ has to remain in heaven until all prophecy that was spoken of by all of his prophets is fulfilled. So how can Jesus leave heaven to rapture his church away if it's written that he must remain in heaven until all prophecy be fulfilled? Well, that may not be enough to convince some. So let's look at some popular verses that many Christians like to use to push to other Christians to make them believe in the rapture. One of the more popular verses that the rapture parrots, that's what I call them, rapture parrots, likes to use is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. So let's go there. Chapter 4, verse 13 in the first book of Thessalonians, and it reads, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. I'm going to say that one more time. Concerning them which are asleep that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now, what is Paul talking about? Well, the subject that Paul is focusing on is he's telling you, do not be ignorant, brothers and sisters, concerning those which are asleep. In other words, those that are dead mortally dead. That if you believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, then those who have already died have risen just like Jesus did and are with God. So let's continue to verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. In other words, those who remain alive when our Lord returns cannot prevent or precede those who have passed on before us. And naturally so, because we're still in our flesh bodies, while those who have already died have given up this carnal body and have returned to Father in their spiritual body. Verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, this trump is the last trump that's spoken of in the book of Revelation, the seventh trump. It's uh, in Revelation chapter 10, verse 7. When that trump sounds, 
That means that all prophecies have come to fruition, and Jesus Christ is coming back down to this earth to place his feet on the Mount of Olives. In the twinkling of an eye, all of us who are alive will be turned into our spiritual bodies. Now, ask yourself this. If the real Christ comes back on the seventh trump, and that's the last trump, then when does the Antichrist come? Well, have ye not read? Satan comes on the sixth trump, as it's written in the book of Revelation chapter 9. Now, in my Forrest Gump voice, I may not be a smart man, but I do know six comes before seven. (laughs) I know I butchered that, I'm sorry. So, in other words, Satan arrives before Christ. And what is Satan going to do while he's here on earth? Well, it's written all over in the Bible from the book of Daniel all the way to the book of Revelation. He is going to act as God, performing miracles and wonders in the sight of all men. And what are Christians going to think when they see this? Oh my God, the time is here. God has come to rapture us away. Let's continue with verse 17. The one verse so many rapture parrots like to use. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. In other words, at the seventh trump, we who are alive are changed into our spiritual bodies and meet with the rest of the people who have died in the past. Now, one thing to note, the word air in this verse is air, which means to breathe unconsciously, that is, uh, respire. So it means breathe or breath. In other words, it's the breath of life, our souls, our spirits, the same breath of life that God breathed into Adam. Basically, this verse is telling us about how we change from the flesh to the spirit when Jesus Christ returns. Now, let's look at the word cloud from the same verse. If you can, turn your Bible to the book of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. And it reads, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. As we read this verse, we understand that a great cloud is, in other words, a great multitude of people gathering together. So, in other words... Christ is bringing back a cloud of people or a multitude of people with him. And now what people could that be? Well, the billions and billions of people that have died in the past. Had a rapture been a part of God's plan, then why does God instruct us in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 through 17 to put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil? Make a note of that, that we are to stand for God. We're not supposed to expect God to carry us away somewhere to safety. I mean, he'll keep us safe, but you're not going to just fly away from here. So after that first letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, can you believe that they ended up misinterpreting his first letter? Just like how you see many Christians today doing the exact same thing. So what did Paul do? He wrote them a second letter to try and break, thing down, break things down Barney-style to them. So let's go to his second letter, the second book of Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 1, and let's see what Paul begins to tell us. 
Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Remember, what's the topic? The topic in this letter is our gathering back to Jesus Christ when he returns. Verse 2, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, and what day is that? The Lord's day, the second coming of Jesus Christ, shall not come except there come a falling away first. Let's read that one more time. That day shall not come until there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Well, who's the son of perdition? Well, it's not rocket science. It's none other than Satan himself. The word perdition means to perish or die. And as of right now, Satan is the only one by name who has a death sentence already handed to him. He's already been judged. But let's keep reading because Paul breaks it down even more for us to explain to us who he is talking about and what is to come. Verse 4, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Satan has always wanted to be God. His pride gave room for this evil to consume him. And you know what? God is going to give him his chance when Michael kicks him out of heaven on the sixth trump. And what's he going to do once he's here? Well, Paul just told us. He's going to exalt himself above God, sit in God's temple showing himself that he is God. And what are the people here on earth going to do? They're going to follow him hook, line, and sinker. Well, almost all of the people on earth. Remember what I said when we studied the sixth chapter of the book of Genesis. God will always have a select few that will stand out amongst the rest, his elect, his remnant. And even then, Satan is going to be so convincing that it's written in the book of Matthew chapter 24, verse 24. Jesus Christ tells us, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Let that be a stern warning, just how convincing and deceiving Satan and his angels are going to be when he's here on earth. I mean, for Jesus to say that if it were possible, they could almost deceive the elect. That is scary. So be prepared for what's to come. Moving back on to verse 5 of chapter 2 of the second book of Thessalonians. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things? And now ye know that withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. I like how Paul begins this verse basically saying, Do you not remember when I was with you, I was telling you about all these things? How could you forget? I mean, you know that Satan will be revealed in his time. Verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Let's break this down real quick. Only he who now letteth. Who is this he? Well, it's he who holds Satan, which is to say Michael the archangel. Then it says will let. In other words, 
will continue to hold Satan until Michael kicks Satan and his angels out of heaven. And what have I said about the Bible? The Bible never contradicts itself. So where else is this written? In the book of Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. So let's go there. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought in his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So let's go back to the second book of Thessalonians, verse 8. And then, one more time so those in the back can hear me. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. It's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? Verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. Now I ask you, did Paul at any one time say that God was going to rapture his church, his people away from all of this? When did Paul say the coming of our Lord will be? After Satan performs his works, his miracles, his wonders on earth for all of us to see. My friends, we who are alive and remain, we aren't going anywhere when Satan gets here to earth. We have a job to do. And that job is to be a witness to our Father, to point out the lies of Satan and expose him as the false Christ. While the Bible is God's word, and he is the author of it, let's hear from God's own mouth of what he thinks about people who teach this pre-tribulation or post-tribulation, whatever, this rapture, and what he thinks of those who want to be raptured out of here. Turn your Bible to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 13, verse 3, and then we'll jump to verse 6 and 7. And it reads, Thus saith the Lord God, Woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit, and have seen nothing. They have seen vanity and lying divination, saying, The Lord saith, and the Lord hath not sent them. And they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. Have ye not seen a vain vision, and have ye not spoken a lying divination, whereas ye say the Lord saith it, albeit I have not spoken? So did you understand what God was telling Ezekiel here? In other words, God is telling us that many are saying that I'm sending them visions. I haven't sent them anything. Many people claim to see visions from God, but yet God here tells us, woe unto those type of people who give lying divination. What's divination mean? It means the power of foreseeing prediction to be inspired by a God. Inspired by a God. Definitely not inspired by our God. So let's jump down to verse 17, God speaking. Likewise, thou son of man, set thy face against the daughters of thy people, which prophesy out of their own heart, and prophesy thou against them. Turn your face against the daughters of your people that prophesy out of their own heart. Gee, Margaret MacDonald sure does come to mind, doesn't she? I mean, she claimed to have had a vision. And look what that did. It caused preachers to preach about it and caused millions to be led astray. Verse 18. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, Woe to the women that sow pillows to all armholes, 
and make kerchiefs upon the head of every stature to hunt souls. Will ye hunt the souls of my people? And will ye save the souls alive that come unto you? In other words, God is saying, Woe unto you for you trying to save my people. You're covering my outstretched fingers, my palms, my arms to save my people. You are teaching them they can make their own salvation when I am their salvation. The Tower of Babel sure does come to mind where those people started building a tower to heaven for their own salvation. And what did God do to them? He destroyed that tower, caused them to all have different languages. Everybody needs to know that God is our only salvation. You don't make your own salvation. You go to God for it. Verse 19. And will ye pollute me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread, to slay the souls that should not die, and to save the souls alive that should not live, by your lying to my people that hear your lies? In other words, are you really going to pollute my truth for a salary? Are you really going to do that? All these super preachers and all these churches with millions and millions of dollars sure do come to mind, don't, don't they? Polluting the truth for a salary. You know, and I know I'm going to have some people out there saying like, oh, well, you're doing the same thing, Jose. Just so you know, I don't get a penny from doing this show. Not a penny. I don't have any sponsors. I'm not a, a big podcast show or anything. I'm sure I might get a sponsor here or there later on in the future, but even then they pay like a dollar for talking about their product for 30 seconds. Everything that I do on this show comes out of my own pocket. The sound effects, the voices, everything out of my own pocket. So don't let me in with those super preacher millionaires because I am nothing like them. I just wanted to get that out there to, to clear the air. Verse 20. Wherefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against your pillows, wherewith ye there hunt the souls to make them fly. And I will tear them from your arms, and I will let the souls go, even the souls that ye hunt to make them fly. God is against what again? He is against those who teach his people that they will fly away. The word pillows here in your Strong's Concordance is H3704, and it's pronounced in the, in the Hebrew, keseth, and it means a cushion or pillow covering a seat or bed. In other words, God is saying, I am against your lies that are covering the truth, that are covering my arms to save the souls. You lie to the people saying that they're going to be raptured away, and God is going to tear them apart. Because these so-called preachers should not and are not the salvation of the people. God is. God has his arms stretched forth telling you to go to him. Why would you believe some preacher telling you that God is going to rapture you out when it's simply not biblical? Think of this for a moment, if you will. Think of all of God's greatest that have lived over the years. Noah. Was Noah raptured out, protecting him from the flood? Absolutely not. In fact, he had to endure being ridiculed and mocked for years until the flood came. Think of Daniel. Was Daniel raptured out of the lion's den? Absolutely not. He got on his knees and he prayed for Father to protect him and keep him from evil. Think of Jesus Christ even. 
Did God rapture him out so he wouldn't endure the pain and suffering he went through before being nailed to the cross? Absolutely not. What did all these people have in common? They took a stand for the living God. What makes you think you're any better than them? We're not. We are to do the same thing as the people who were written of in the Old Testament and the New Testament, to endure and make a stand for the living God. God will always keep us from evil, and He'll provide us a way out of temptation if we stay in His Word and seek out the Scriptures asking Him for wisdom and understanding. God does not like laziness. He's seeking men and women who will put in work, who will prove themselves worthy of being called a faithful servant. Nobody is getting an out-of-jail-free card. Nobody. You can either prepare now by studying His Word, or you can go with the flow of the world and keep believing you're going to be raptured out of here when it's not biblical. You know what's going to happen to those people when Satan comes performing all these miracles? They're going to believe him thinking he's the real Christ. Honest, good-working Christians. And when that seventh trump sounds and the real Christ comes back to earth, it's written in the book of Revelation chapter 6, verse 15, that all those people, they're going to want to hide from Jesus, from the shame that they have. They're going to pray for the mountains to fall on them, to hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. I mean, think about it. You go to church every Sunday. You're kind and nice to everyone you meet. You live that good Christian life. And just because you don't take the time to take it upon yourself to study yourself and learn and question what is being taught, you end up worshiping the wrong Christ and end up praying for the mountains to fall on you. Talk about a waste of your time on this life, wouldn't you think? Don't be like them. Throughout the teachings of the Bible, God has used His faithful servants to be examples for the rest of us of what to do, what to say, and what to think. Not one was taken out or raptured out. Paul taught us how Christ will not come back until after Satan is here on earth trying to deceive the whole world. So I ask you, disciple, as in the book of Matthew chapter 24 talks about two working in the field, one is taken, the other, was, the other one is left behind. Do you want to be the one taken? Taken out of harvest, that is? Or do you want to remain working, doing God's work, standing tall with no fear until the re return of the real Christ? Because it's also written in that chapter how Christ favors the one when he comes back and he finds him working. We have a lot of work to do on this earth, my friends. Don't be taken out of season. Don't be fooled into being raptured out. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Disciples Haven. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to the Disciples Haven podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And also, follow me on Instagram. The handle name is, you guessed it, the Disciples Haven. Until next time, disciples, go in peace.